Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Holistic Navigator podcast, where we believe in the body's capacity for self-healing if it's given the proper nutrients and care it deserves. My name is Brian Strickland. I'm the producer of the show, and here with me in the studio, as always, is your host, Ed Jones. On this week's episode, we're talking with Jennifer Maynard from Nutrition for Longevity. Nutrition for Longevity provides ready-made meals that are delivered straight to your door and feature some of the cleanest produce grown from the highest quality seeds that can be traced all the way back to their source. Jennifer gives us the rundown on what restorative farming actually looks like and how it benefits not only the land and the food that it produces, but the incredible impact that consuming these high-quality foods has on our health as well. So sit back, relax, and let's go ahead and get into this episode all about farming and consuming the best quality foods. Here's your host, Mr. Ed Jones. Thank you, Brian, so much for the introduction. And here we are again with the Holistic Navigator. I am Ed Jones, and we have another very exciting educational episode, one of which is uh, slightly different than most of the things that I discuss. Uh, I really kind of call myself a connoisseur of natural health. I've been doing and studying and living the life since um, professionally for 42 years this January. And I have um, seen the power of healing with foods and nutrition to a point that uh, I doubt many physicians uh, really have an opportunity to do and see and watch and help people the way that I have been blessed to do in my life. We talk about topics all the time, everything from constipation to vitamin K to the importance of omega-3. We do all these great little encyclopedia chapters, but one of the most still powerful tools in our arsenal is our knife and fork. And people, I think, tend to have lost the connection uh, with their logic as to why is food so important? What makes it so healing and what has actually caused us to not have health in this country because we have lost the connection to healthy food? So today I've got someone who has seemingly vast experience on this same philosophy of life. I certainly would probably call her a connoisseur of natural health and and food also. Uh, Welcome, Jennifer Maynard, to The Holistic Navigator. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. And Jennifer, you are, uh, I know, worked in the pharmaceutical specialty medicine areas for over 20 years. And after about two decades, you uh, had a passion for changing people's lives through modern medicine. But you felt uh, that maybe you'd be better served by focusing on the fact that food can be your medicine in many cases. And so you started and co-founded a company called Nutrition for Longevity. Uh, It is a farm to fork type of company that focuses on bringing Uh, nutritionally tailored meals to the masses, that really rang a bell with me because I know I live in a town that has 360,000 people. So it's not small, but it's not huge. We are still in the Southern Bible Belt kind of old fashioned system of, of people eating here. They just they're coming around, but it's very slowly. And we don't have a lot of options for people who really want to reach that new level of quality food. And one thing that I study 
nutritional supplementation extensively, but I also study food. And the thing I don't study, which I want you to really help myself and other listeners to understand more of this concept, is the farming, the regenerative farming. What makes food go from what we used to have, I don't know how many decades ago, where we literally had a pretty good healthy society if you took out the issues with childbirth and all the maybe infectious diseases, but we still had a pretty hardy group of people in this country. And a lot of that was based on the fact that people ate locally and they were not using chemicals and the soils were not depleted. But every time I see Mercola, which I, I love Dr. Mercola's website for information, he talks uh, pretty regularly about regenerative farming. Tell me and the listeners what that actually means. Okay. Um, wonderful. So yeah, I spent uh, 20 years in healthcare to work on uh, acute illness, but I've always grown my own food and I grew up on a homestead in Alaska. So um, what I wanted to do is really try to flip the, the current paradigm, which is 80% of our effort in the U.S. is focused on the pill and the injection and treating with sick care and I feel like it should be reversed. I feel like we should be spending 80% on food as medicine and really prevention, but also even intervention with food. So, so what I did is I dug my heels in and I really wanted to understand what has changed in our food chain over the last several decades to bring us to what I would consider a health crisis. We see chronic illness just skyrocketing and we're not getting in front of this. And I believe that our food chain is directly connected to that. And so um, I really investigated heavily the different farming practices before we've got to this point. And also one of the things is understanding how areas of the world, longevity regions where people live the longest, healthiest lives, pretty much void of chronic illness, how they farm and what they do. And a lot of them are all of the regions that we researched are using regenerative farming. So we really wanted to dig into that and we wanted to implement that on a broader scale in the U.S. So what is regenerative farming? So really, it's very different from our modern agriculture, which is a little bit um, in a way disassembling or deconstructing the soil. It's all about tillage. It's about using chemicals to um, remove the microorganisms and the macroorganisms from our farmland so it's easier to farm because there are it's a whole ecosystem and if it loses any sort of balance you have a lot of invasive species that then eat your crops and you have weeds and things like that so um, if we if we look at modern farming and that use of those chemicals and that heavy tillage and monocropping what we see is a major destruction of the microorganisms which are everything happening below the surface and you know when we look at soil there should be more microbes in a teaspoon of soil than humans on earth it's it's very rich in biodiversity under our toes but we we know very little about it and what regenerative farming focuses on is how do we rebuild these microorganisms that have been damaged over time because of tilt tillage adds too much aeration microorganisms like a more stable environment, especially the fungal side of things. And what happens when you have healthy soil is it builds like a sponge. And so what's happened over the last few decades is we've lost all of our soil organic matter, which is this sponge matrix. And we went from 11% on average in the U.S. down to about 1%. 
And this has a lot of repercussions. So for example, every 1% of soil organic matter we bring back per acre of farmland, we save about 170,000 gallons of water. So again, it's a sponge, it holds in water, it holds in and creates this matrix for microorganisms to thrive. It also helps us from soil erosion. So regenerative farms have about 700 times less erosion than uh, conventionally farmed farmland, which is why we have a lot of soil and fertilizers ending up in our rivers and then in our oceans and creating these dead zones. The other thing that it's allowed or that it's created is about two thirds of our carbon stores have we've lost out of our soil. So it's this huge sponge also to sequester carbon. So if you look at meta studies have been done by the United Nations just across the board, they look at agriculture as the lowest cost and the most effective way we can start reversing climate change. So it's not just about healthy food, it's also the environmental aspects. And then if you look at also there's multiple studies now showing the effect on the food is actually pretty extreme. So you don't see it in the macronutrient level, which is what we typically talk about. That's what's usually on labels. That's usually the same between a regeneratively grown crop and a conventionally grown crop. Or, or, but where we start to see the big difference is the micronutrients and the phytochemicals, which are chemicals that plants create to um, manage and cope with stress. So that's what we see with regenerative farming is we're building up this incredible microbiome, so the soil microbiome, and we're focusing on how do we revive that. And then in return, it's helping the plants cope with stress and it's creating a higher level of phytonutrients. So the crops that we grow can have up to 30% more phytonutrients than a conventionally grown equivalent, a cucumber is a cucumber, a tomato is a tomato, but we see at the micro level, it's not. So what is regenerative farming? So everything we do is to focus on building up that microbiome, so the soil microbiome, and we specifically focus on the rhizosphere microbiome, which is, there's five microbiomes of a plant. It's the one closest to the root system of a plant. And you want to think of it as the gut microbiome of a plant. It's where a lot of its immune system resides. It's where its neural ne network happens. It's where it converts nutrients into something usable by the plant. And as I mentioned, it's a neural network. It's a communication system where when a plant undergoes stress, its microorganisms communicate and tell that plant how to defend against that stress. So what we do on our farm to build up that microorgani the, the microbiome is we grow very biodiverse crops. On average in the U.S., the average farm has only two crops that they grow, so we have a lot of monocropping, but that can damage the biodiversity in the soil because you're actually selecting for just a smaller microbiome as well. So we have very heavy biodiversity, 300, 400 different crops that we grow within a year. Um, we keep the ground covered as often as possible. So uh, soil microorganisms are very sensitive to UV light. They're sensitive to different exposures. So like you would see in a forest or almost anywhere you would look other than a dryland desert, Mother Nature tries to keep the ground covered as often as possible, and that's just a protective layer so we don't see, you know, the effects of um, this depletion from, from different wind, water erosion, and UV light. And then the other thing that we do is we use a lot of composting. So we're adding back to the soil anything we're taking out, like, like plant matter through 
fruits and vegetables, we bring that back through different composting, most of which we do on the farm ourselves. And then the other one is integrating a lot of hedgerows. So we focus very heavily on creating environments within the plant, these small ecosystems that actually allow native species to thrive. So we'll use a lot of perennial hedgerows where those plants stay in the ground year round for year after year after year and they grow up this extremely healthy rhizosphere microbiome and they create on above the surface incredible mass for um, native species because we've also lost 80% of our insect biomass over the last two decades and we want to be able to revive that on our farm because what's happening is the invasive species are starting starting to outnumber the native which is a big problem for farms so we build that back up above ground and then below ground the same thing is happening and we're reviving that within the soil that is, that is, that, and i don't i don't mean to interrupt you that is so uh informing and let me ask you i watched a movie when i was flying somewhere because i don't even have a tv called the biggest little farm is that what they were doing Yes, absolutely. So they they talk in that movie about rebuilding the ecosystem and and finding balance because our farmland is so imbalanced, it takes usually several years to bring that balance back. And those are some of the things that you're doing is you're starting to rebalance your native species. Um, I mean, people don't realize 80% of our biomass of insect loss over the last 20, 30 years, that's a massive decline. And it's really frightening if you look at how our food chain works. Um, So it's really important that farms support bringing back that biodiversity. But the same thing is happening under our feet and we don't realize it is we're we're decimating different species of microorganisms before we even know what they are and what the benefits can be to the human body. I mean, bacteria has been around for 3.5 billion years obviously humans haven't been around <laughs> very long so they're probably going to outsurvive us as well um, but they are still delicate and it's still important that we allow that diversity to thrive um, so that's what regenerative farming is always focusing on is how do you rebuild that soil how do you kind of reconstruct it rather than deconstruct it we also don't use tillage on the farm so once we cut a bed into the farmland that bed stays pretty much permanently and we continue to just layer on top of it and continue to build our soil organic matter. And as I mentioned, it's like a sponge. Um, it holds in water, it pulls in carbon, it exchanges nutrients with the plant. So we want to build up that sponge and every year we want to try to bring in one or 2% soil organic matter so we can get it back to that 11%, which is what we believe is that kind of optimal zone um, where we get our farmland back to where it used to be before it was um, so heavily depleted. Wow. I can tell that you truly have a passion for what you're speaking. And I obviously live the life and I, it is, you know, it can be very frustrating for a city guy like myself to realize the demise that has been going on for so long that makes it almost impossible to be optimally healthy with the choices that many people have and especially the limitation of people's knowledge because food has always been number one to satisfy an appetite. And most people choose food, as you know, based on two or three reasons, one of which is taste, price. Those are the two biggest things, taste and price. And you cannot judge a food's quality by either of those. In fact, probably if it's too cheap, you know that it's not going to be of quality origin. However, um, you know, you and I'm only guessing this 
Uh, is there any big companies that is embracing regenerative farming or is it all the local people doing it? It's starting to, um, but there's a lot of changes that have to happen. I like that you bring up the price component as well as the taste because um, what a lot of people also don't realize in the U.S. is we spend the least per capita in the U.S. than any country in the entire world on food and we spend the most on health care. Wow. Yeah, we're only like the 35th healthiest country, like mm-hmm. uh, modern country. And so, you know, we seem to have it a little bit backwards. I think we, and a lot of that is through subsidies and different controls that, you know, the government heavily or taxpayers heavily subsidize mainly grain crops for meat production. There's very little subsidies going to mm-hmm. core vegetable production. And so there's a lot that has to change to enable also vegetable crops and and your healthier leafy greens and things like that to become more mainstream and and more affordable to the average person. So the the entire food system is heavily biased to process food being cheap. It's not cheap because it's it's, um, per se cheap to grow and cheap to process. It's heavily subsidized, which helps make it Mm -hmm. extremely cheap. Um, So it's, it's very biased. And I think that's important, but there are companies starting to embrace this. You you've seen over the last few years, the organic food movement, because, you know, consumers have started demanding more organic and now you see it in every grocery store and Walmart everywhere. And so you're seeing organic becoming more the norm. And that's, what's going to start happening with regenerative farming. You are starting to see companies, even, even things like coffee companies, because it's one of the highest pesticide crops in the world is is coffee and people just don't realize it. So you're seeing more and more um, coffee companies and uh, tea companies and obviously farms, um, even grain farms that are trying to pivot over to regenerative. Um, Now, is there is there a label for regenerative on foods? They're working on it. So the Rodale Institute is driving a certification. So that's going to, you'll probably see that in the next year starting to pop up on food labels. There's also some Rainforest Alliance, which essentially is a way of regeneratively regeneratively growing coffee and chocolate. Um, So those are different crops that have a potential negative effect on the rainforest. And so if they can grow those in the canopies, the underlying canopies, that is a Mm -hmm. regenerative farming practice. And you're starting to see um, different grain companies, even for, for grain that's meant to be consumed by humans, not cattle and livestock. um, Some of those companies are starting to convert over and they're seeking that label. So you will start seeing that pop up um, and it's going to become more, of a consumer choice. So you'll start seeing it on packaging. And that's what I like to tell consumers is I think people don't realize how much control they have on the food system more so than even government regulations is your buying power as a consumer. So if people start buying more organic, if, you know, if they can afford Mm -hmm. it and the more we buy organic, the more affordable it will become. And that's going to be the same thing with regenerative. So it is becoming a much more common term, obviously because of the benefits I talked about, not just on human health with the phytonutrient levels um, being, you know, 30% higher, sometimes even more, but also the environmental aspect. I mean, it's, it's incredible to me that you have this win-win relationship that not only are you keeping human health um, on the positive side or, or rebuilding it, but you're also promoting planetary health and they're not, you know, you can bring those together. It's not and, or, 
Um, yes. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. And it is like an orchestra that plays. Our health is so consumed and so dependent on a multiple level of of actions, of different natural chemicals, of nutrition. It isn't a one fix it type of, you know, we're going to go. It's not like an F-150 truck and your carburetor is not working well, so we're going to replace it. It is simply, you know, a, a vast interdependence with a big family, the family being the earth and the dirt and the nutrients and the water. In fact, there was a lady I interviewed on the Holistic Navigator um, uh, from Garden of Life, and she had a great statement. She said, we are what our food eats. And it applies to plants, too, because what we are, what our food eats regarding how the soil's producing vegetables. So the foods are eating the soil nutrition. And, you know, we have a lot of control somewhat of our our life and then we have a big chunk of our life we have no control over but we all 100% have control of what we choose to put in our mouth and you're exactly right as more and more people learn like you telling people and educating the more I think the uh the uh, people who embrace this is going to be more momentum as the organic s- system we've seen has done for quite well in this country Got plenty more to go. But I want to get down to also what you can offer as far as what I was reading about your company, because here I am, single guy, 63 years old, rarely cook, uh, but I try to eat as pure and clean as any person can without being obsessed by it. And I don't have a lot of choices. So tell me, what would a, what are you offering for a person like myself that might be beneficial? Yeah, so we're offering, there's basically three different things that we try to offer um, to support different lifestyles. So we offer produce boxes. So people that actually really want to cook, um, they they know what they, how they want to divide their food up and what macronutrients they want. And they just want really clean food. We have produce boxes that we can ship to people's doors that are fresh from our farm. So we harvest we send it straight to our warehouse, which is about five minutes away, and then it gets packaged up and sent out. So it's probably the freshest food most people will experience if they're not on a farm or, you know, getting it straight from a farm stand right around the corner. Um, So that's one option, and that's kind of the most flexible one. And then we have meal kits, which are mainly assembled. So you have kind of a ready to eat breakfast, a ready lunch, and then a dinner that you do a a small amount of cooking, but everything's pre-portioned. And then this next month we're launching ready-made as well. So you can just heat and serve um, a very tailored meal. So everything is very tailored to a calorie level, very, very tailored to the longevity diet, which is based on the longevity regions in the world. What's amazing about the research that Dr. Walter Longo did when he wrote the longevity diet is all of the six longevity regions that he investigated have essentially the exact same macronutrient range. So they seem to be doing something really well. So they have a lot of legumes in their diet. It's mainly plant-based. Some of them are pescatarian. So we offer a vegan and a pescatarian option to mimic those regions. And we use the exact macronutrient levels and calorie ranges. So people can really experience what centenarians, which are people that live past a hundred, how they eat food. So that's our whole um, premise and focus is that we grow the food like longevity regions using regenerative farming. And then we prepare it in the right quantities that we're eating and consuming the right amount of vegetables, especially. So 
the American diet, only one in 10 people get the required fruits and vegetables. And if you compare even the recommendations in the U.S. compared to longevity regions, it's five to six servings in the U.S. It's, it's over 10 in longevity regions. So it's very high in fiber. It's very plant-based and high in, in whole fruits and vegetables. Um, and healthy, we use gluten-free grains, but healthy grains. And then um, high, most of the protein sources coming from legumes. So that's again, the foundation of our meal programs and what we try to do to help people, um, you know, optimize their health with, with eating a, a plant-based, a, a plant-forward diet. I like that. And t- tell people what the word pescatarian actually means. <laughs> pescatarian just means plant-forward with fish protein. So we don't have any um, red meat protein um, everything is either vegan or coming from fish protein. And, you know, some people order our kits like in three day increments and they'll, they'll add a meat that they like, or they'll eat meat on the other days. We don't, um, you know, tell people they have to be vegans to be healthy. We just encourage a plant forward diet. Uh, Well, that's extremely exciting, uh, Jennifer, especially for people like myself. And I do, you know, I do consume, um, animal protein. I've gone through every diet of, of the whole earth over my life, but I do feel a little better with clean uh, types of uh, beef. So I would be the person who would who would get your product. That would be the quick heat up or fix ready made and then have something on the side with a little more protein. But I love the concept of it is do most people get an order once a week or do they get it twice a week or how does that work? It's a mix. People that really, we have people that get um, a full six days worth of meals um, and then they have one day off. If they, if they really want to hit a certain goal, they maybe um, want to improve their health or they're looking to lose weight. Um, they, we do have people that are doing it the six days. Those are a little bit more regimented. We have some medically tailored meals, for example, that focus on type two diabetes and weight loss and things like that. Um, so a lot of times people will be on the six days to try to hit a personal goal or a target with their health. Um, I would say the average person is getting a weekly, which is three days. Um, and they're getting breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or just lunch and dinner for those three days. And then they eat their normal diet the rest of the time. And what we see is there's a lot of education we provide as well. So what we see is people just start to start eating on their off days, you know, just as healthy. They start incorporating more vegetables. And like you said, a lot of people like meat. And again, we just encourage reducitarian where, you know, we have this mentality in the U.S. You go into a restaurant, you order an entree, which is a huge slab of meat. And then you order a little side dish, which is maybe a half cup of, of vegetables, which isn't even usually a full serving of vegetables. Um, and I really encourage people to look at it the reverse. If your entree is this healthy serving of fruits and vegetables, and then your protein is a high quality protein source of your choosing, um, that's going to be much better suited for your body and the fiber intake and all the things that now science is leaking, linking to you know, improvements in chronic illness. So it's that plant forward aspect. I don't like to restrict people. That's why I focus on the reducitarian aspect of just try to flip that around the thought process of the entree versus the side dish. 
I love that. And I certainly myself try to do that. I, I, I try to look at the proportion on my plate of what am I getting as far as is at least 50 to 60 percent on my plate going to be, you know, the, the phytochemical rich foods, which are the vegetables and properly fixed, hopefully, and at least uh, getting 50 percent. And I do believe heavily in drinking my green drink from Natural Factors. I was visiting their farm up in uh, Canada two years ago. And I was so impressed because they do use, uh, I'm 99% sure, regenerative farming. But they were talking about how they would have the ability to analyze phytochemicals in the foods they were growing that then would go into this green drink. And one of the stories was that they realized that this one particular vegetable, it was going to show that their phytochemical contact would maximize at 2.30 a.m. in the morning. And so they actually pulled their crew out and had them harvest these things at that time of day. Not many companies have that level of ethics, but Natural Factors is one that I just hugely uh, support because of that. And I know that's true of you wouldn't do that with your foods that you're growing, but you're picking them at the right time because you visually know that that is the right way to do it. You know, I'm and again, I want to encourage people who really want to see the the nitty gritty of how this works to go watch the movie, The Biggest Little Farm. It was a game changer for me uh, as far as my realization of even though my whole life's been based around all this, it was the nitty gritty of this is really how it can work. And it's not an easy road. I mean, when you watch that movie, and I'm sure you've had a lot of ups and downs and challenges because it takes a passion. You're not doing it for profit alone. You're doing it for the multiplicity of reasons, which is the earth and the health and the this. And and the biodiversity is the key. We are not in independent people. We are interdependent on this earth. And we're we're treating it pretty pretty poorly. But also, it's not even the treatment, it's the lack of realization of the community, the medical community and the public. And I'm very frustrated, but then I also understand the issues of restaurants and why they don't step up. Well, they don't step up because people are not willing to probably pay the money or or want it at this point. But that momentum will change with enough time. And I certainly hope uh, that it happens sooner than later. I'm actually going to probably uh, subscribe for my daughter. Your, I want her to have your foods because she just has a one-year-old and they're so busy. And I would love for that to be a gift that I can give her. And I'm sure you offer that. So I will be uh, going on your website. Tell people how they can contact you and more information if they're interested in pursuing uh, your farm-to-table options? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the easiest way for people to find us is at nutritionforlongevity.com. So all sped out, spelled out. I know it's long. Um, and you can go on and look at the different offerings. There's different calorie levels if you are targeting a, a specific calorie level. Um, and it's also, as I mentioned, vegan, pes- pescatarian. And then there's a few of the medically tailored meals in there as well. Um, so that's the easiest way. We're also on pretty much every social media platform. So if you want to um, follow the farm and, and look at the different foods that we have, um, we also do a lot of education through there as well. So you can learn a little bit more about regenerative farming and our different farms and our approaches. Um, so I think those are the best ways to, to find out most definitely. Great. So if they can, and I looked at your website earlier and it, uh, I'm starving for lunch after looking at those beautiful photos that you have. And I so appreciate your uh, enlightening me and and our listeners to this, this such an important topic and aspect of, of 
the total package of what we have to embrace to be healthy and not to be disease ridden. I mean, I tell people constantly, I'm on TV, I'm on radio, and I'm talking from morning till night. And I say, you know, a lot of people are living to 75 and 80 years old, but they actually died when they were about 45 because they'd lost their life energy and their their light within was dimmed because of poor health and nutrition. And once you start down that slippery slope of one medication after another to to manage and to treat a Band-Aid approach using these things instead of healing, it's just a, a slipperier slope that's going to continue till you take your last breath unless the person embraces it on their own because conventional medicine will never offer this kind of information. And I'm just thankful that we are living in a world that, I mean, it's a mixture, but I'm living in a world that we have the technology that I can talk to you across the country and that people are going to be able to learn and actually have a life-changing experience if they're ready for it based on, on the technology that we have at the day. So, Jennifer, I again, thank you very much. You will be hearing from me. I want to order that for my daughter. And we probably would like to check back with you in maybe six months, and especially after she experiments with your food. Uh, maybe we'll bring her on and the three of us can have a, a chat about how it all worked. I think that would be exciting. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, thank you. You have a great day. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Holistic Navigator. As always, we are sponsored by uh, NutritionW.com. If you have any interest in the green drink I talked about, natural factors, or any other nutritional products, including organic coffee, as Jennifer spoke about, and and, and some of the organic foods that uh, are very important. In fact, I'm glad Jennifer brought up the fact that coffee is one of the heaviest sprayed crops in the world, and no one speaks about it that I hear regularly. I'd speak about it on occasions, but I'm glad she reminded me of that because, you know, there are simple steps to clean our life up. You know, using a clean toothpaste and soaps and organic coffee and clean water, those things don't require self-discipline. It requires a different choice. And once you get used to those choices, it's just like going to buy your old thing, except you're now having less toxins in the body. And the average person in our state here is on 17 pharmaceuticals per year. 17. So we know that something's incredibly wrong with how we are journeying down this path of health and disease. So again, everyone, thank you for listening. And we will be back for another exciting educational episode in another week or two. Goodbye and thank you and have a blessed and safe, calm day. The information on this podcast and the topics discussed have not been evaluated by the FDA or anyone of the medical profession. and is not aimed to replace any advice you may receive from your medical practitioner. The Holistic Navigator assumes no responsibility or liability whatsoever on behalf of any purchaser or listener of these materials. The Holistic Navigator is not a doctor, nor does he claim to be. Please consult your physician before beginning any health regimen. 